0: This is One Heat Minute.
1: Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. look like gang bangers, working the local 7-Eleven here. Robbery, homicides, take it. Give me all you got! This and Give you me, me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys
0: like you. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard. And joining me today is, well, a man whose own book who's going to be out is called My 40-Year Career on Screen and Behind the Camera. It's out a little bit later this year. Um, it is one of the great pleasures of this podcast that occasionally um, I get r- ridiculously starstruck and probably will stumble over my words the man I'm talking to today you've seen him across television you've seen him across cinema you've probably watched some of his great films but for me he's in the greatest action film peerlessly ever made other than probably the greatest. Uh, We're talking about the greatest film I think ever made is Heat, but the greatest action film ever made is 1987's Predator, and his character basically steals every single moment that he is in, from breaking a from breaking a, a razor on his face, from threatening to kill Carl Weathers and actually you believe him, um, from singing um, singing songs to himself as he's losing his mind, um, from just the coolest, best, tough guy friendship of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to Bill Duke, who played Mac in Predator, and I'm just absolutely thrilled to have you on One Heat Minute. Bill, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So today... Uh, Bill is just about, uh, is, is, is a filmmaker, a director. Um, what I didn't know when I pitched to Ask Bill on the show, um, but I've since learnt in researching, you know, this is a Michael Mann, 1995 Michael Mann film. And I'm going back through Bill's incredibly intimidating resume. And you've directed... On robbery, homicide division, and Miami Vice, and Crime Story, and all of these uh, Michael Mann uh, uh, produced things in your career, in and around this. Um, even where you're in Red Dragon, which uh, obviously Michael Mann connection there with Manhunter. Um, so, uh, what even outside of that, I was looking at Bill's current resume and some of the amazing work that he's doing, and I thought, you know one big thing i wanted to do on the show was to talk about the african-american experience especially with donald breeden who's dennis Haysbert's character in this film and there's this amazing minute that we're talking about the 101st minute of heat where neil mccauley robert de niro walks up to don breeden dennis Haysbert's character and makes him an offer that is that he can't refuse and i thought what better than to talk to a filmmaker who, And a filmmaker and a person who's made it their goal to sort of mentor young African-Americans and has also been in some of these phenomenal um, films that we're going to get into. But uh, I thought I would just jump straight in and uh, we could watch the minute and then we could dive into talking to you. Bill, does that sound good? No problem. All right. So, guys, Bill and I are going to watch this. We're going to edit this so you guys can hear it in crystal clarity. Um, but then we'll come back and we'll, uh, we'll talk about the minute.
1: Yes or no? Right now. Yeah, man. Fuck it. You're back in five.
0: Mm-hmm. What an incredible minute. Good minute. So, Bill, let's talk. Firstly, thank you for being a part of the show. Secondly, what did you think of the minute? Have you seen Heat? And were you ever involved? I'm sort of looking at some of the actors and cast, and I've heard some rumours about different actors being involved and around the film. This seems like right at the time that you were uh, um, acting in some pretty big projects. Was this something that ever crossed your mind, considering you sort of you know, did Robbery Homicide Division and Miami Vice and Crime Story? Was this ever a film that was on your radar?
1: No, not really, it wasn't. But I'm uh, watching that, you know, I love performance because um, you know, it's in terms of acting, one of the greatest parts of acting, people think it's talking, right? But listening. Yes. You know, and he and, and he had to make a decision. And so the silence between them is as powerful as speaking. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what's what they're able to convey to each other. It's not, it's not anything in the words. The words are... The...
1: You're exactly right. Not the words. It's the human interaction. And do you, when you're in your
0: films and in your work, I mean, I'm, I'm, I i know you and a stack of people who are probably listening to you know from something like Predator, but it's like there's so much of what you do in that film and so much of what you've done in your work where you don't, you don't say anything. You don't need to say anything. It's all about the yawning gaps in that,
1: that silence in that, in that moment. I think, I think that acting has a lot to do with responding to the person you're working with. Yes. And that even means when you're doing, you're by yourself on screen, um, the truth of what you're going through as an actor with a character in terms of what the author and director has asked you to do. And it's really, a I think that's one of the most courageous parts of acting people understand. They think it's saying the lines, but it's really surrendering to um, the human being that you're portraying. Yes. I know that sounds a little strange, uh, but as you act in the lines, Remember to rise the lines. The lines become secondary to the presence of the person who's speaking. lines. Make any sense?
0: Yes. Yeah, because okay. it, you're trying to you're trying to access something that's not in the words.
1: But they're in you because you know, you've been called upon to be that. But it takes a lot of self trust and courage to do that. Yes.
0: And when you're, so, you know, you've worked across from big performers, and when you're someone like Dennis Haysbert, this time of his career, you know, 95, he's just bursting onto the scene, he's getting that renown, how is that, how, can, can you describe what that would be like for him as an actor and what you'd have to sort of, in your mind, what you'd have to do when you're standing across from someone like De Niro, because you've definitely stood toe-to-toe with big personalities, these big egos. And so you would imagine that it's like he's he's got a million things going through his head as well as the script, as well as this character. What what kind of things do you think are going through his head in this moment as he's trying – this is his, like, pivotal moment of the film? You know,
1: the person in front of him is no longer about De
0: Niro. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. that character that's challenging him and he has a very very difficult decision to make and honoring and accepting the truth of that within himself uh, with this person that's poking him is really the truth of the moment and, and he did it very very well because it wasn't an easy decision No. he had to make a very mis the rest of his life and you saw that there yes that that's that's that, I think it's the greatness of that in as an American as an actor he was able to really bring that you know some people will just look right you to just say okay <laughs>
0: yeah Mormon. yeah you okay. we'll, yeah well especially because it's even you know we we we're tackling this film phenomenal performances and the score and just the blocking and the space between the characters and all that tension we're tackling it a minute at a time and so it's not even a whole the whole of this minute isn't even just the question or or the interaction so we're having in this moment to watch him have to decide do i stay on the straight and narrow and keep cooking in this kitchen and keep being abused and have some of my pay taken and at the same time you know, do I go back to what I know? And so there's kind of this great, you know, you see it in their interaction. He's really relieved. He's happy to see Neil. They've met each other in a prison stint and they're standing there together. And it's like, oh, this old life. But he, he kind of knows where that, where it goes. So that's what's all the more tragic, right? Because I think what you said so beautifully was you sort of surrendered to the character. You also, he in this moment has to surrender to the character's very bad decision <laughs> because he does know that it's his time for his entire life to sort of change.
1: And to, life, and to be in that moment as an actor it's, it really takes courage you know people, most people as actors they act yes and that's not what acting it, it's called it shouldn't be called acting to be called being yes you become that you don't say the words in a way that you think are effective or try to be charming, or smart. You don't do any of that. No. You become that human being, that flawed human, being. and you know, take
0: something into that. So, let's jump. Let's jump uh, to a slight tangent for a moment. You obviously have been around the man who created this. Can you give us any insights about working alongside or in a Michael Mann project like Robbery Homicide Division for folks who may not know is it's pretty much inspired by um, Vincent Hanna Al Pacino's character from Heat like his crew is the Robbery Homicide Division and it came around it was extremely critically acclaimed if you haven't heard of it and a phenomenal series it's short-lived but a phenomenal series pound for pound a really great um, cop show, if you if you're into that sort of thing, and Crime Story was Dennis Farina's big break, who we all know and love. May rest in peace. Miami Vice, I mean, of, you know, pop culture changed and television changed with Miami Vice. So, what was it like being on some of these massive, critically acclaimed shows, and you as a filmmaker around them? Like, what were those experiences like for you? Well, in those days.
1: Um there were not a lot of black directors. Yeah. There were a few of Michael Jones and a few others. But, first, to have the opportunity to be directing those major shows was a new thing for minority directors. And so that was, it means there was growth. Something had occurred that had not happened before. Yes. Um, and to be able to do that, you had to be better. You had to have mastered your craft. Not only in terms of the vision of the film or the series, uh, but you had to master the major obligation of the director, which is management. Yes. And it's management of three things time, people, and money. <laughs> yes. We have a great imagination, but if we don't bring it on a budget and on time, we are not going to work. Yes. And so, TV is is an incredible exercise in terms of the practice of the skill of management. Yes. Because in those days, you had seven days to prep, seven days to shoot. It gave you a couple of days to cut your version of the series, and they cut it based upon their vision of what it should be. So, you had to really understand that, you know, you didn't have much time to do it, but once you once you that down, you're given a feature to direct in two months.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: uh, you know what I'm saying.
0: It feels like a holiday.
1: Like a holiday, fucking <laughs> <you know, laughs> Yes, because television was a great training for many, of them. and uh, working with wonderful actors, um, you know, and Michael Mann, who really is a genius. You know, he's not only. Um, a director-producer, but a writer also. Yes. And he pours his soul into his projects. When he's working with you, he just doesn't leave you on the set. He talks to you about why he created this character, what the character is about, um, you know, why he put this particular scene together. He's very detailed. Yes. And so as an actor, you have guideposts mm-hmm. to go by which is rare because some directors, like a camera uh, and editing, know nothing about actors. Yes. And I was working with the young director, and uh, I asked him, I was having trouble with the scene as an actor. I went up to him and asked him, can you he help me, you know? And after two minutes of talking, he looked at me and said, make it more blue. What the hell, what does that
0: mean? <laughs> Did he mean lighting? Did he mean, uh, you know, in the old words, rude? Did he, <laughs> Who know, that is such. He wasn't used to talking to actors, you know
1: what I'm saying? He yes. just and all that stuff. Yes. When the actor needed him for advice, he didn't know what to do.
0: And so it's layering in, that's, that's your experience as someone like a man or those big you know those sort of genius characters you've encountered is layering in and being able to have those questions of purpose really helps you guide and craft that yes. and i think in this film and particularly in this scene um, in heat every character has an extremely rich backstory. i think they spent months crafting these really long backstories, and even the just the preceding minute which we would have talked about as you guys are hearing this um the, the it's actually the introduction of his character, or, or the connection between these two characters. Like, oh, he used to hang out with so and so in, in um, he used to hang out with so and so in 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 Folsom. He was in B wing, etc. So he's, you're building a bit more of this background to how these guys would know each other, why they would be why they would be camaraderie when he goes up to him and offers him a job, which you would hope, you know, right now the audience as well. You both, you've got this really strange, um, almost like. Uh, conflicted moment because you want to see him take the job so you can see the heist go down in this movie because as a viewer from that purely you know energized perspective you're hyped up to oh here we go this is the confrontation Mm -hmm. and at the same time you're like please don't don you know you've been through it you've been through the ringer and it's that you as the i suppose that demonstrates what you're talking about which is how effective the layering in of all those you know all that what the character is about, why they're there, how they arrive to this scene, adds layers in all that meaning so that in this moment you've got a really deeply conflicted moment as well as opposed to just being casual. As you said before, it's like just saying the line, delivering it, trying to deliver it with charm or confidence. It's got none of that, none of that essence. Well,
1: what you just said is elephant in the sense that it's what many movies are missing today. Oh, yeah. Because you have Car crashes and explosions, gunfights, all of that, right? The question is do you care about anybody in the (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, do you care about the main character if he dies or not? Yes. The thing is, it's a craft to writing in the sense that you can have all these other things, like a misfit. Yes. But when he has to make that decision, you're with him, like you said, don't do it. Do it because I want to see the action, but I know the impact it's going to have on your life because you've been through so much. Yes. But that's in the writing, and then the writer, then the actor delivers the essence of that. That's the collaboration.
0: Yes. And you're right. The, that the and I think a lot of you know you're in the most iconic action movie of all time, Predator. Um, so many people miss. You know, you can have the alien, and you can have the guns, you can have the explosion. But that's 40 minutes or 50 minutes almost into that film. You know, there's so much about you guys, your rich histories, the individual relationships between the characters, you know, your phenomenal character, Mac, having a sense of what Billy's doing when no one really has a sense of what he's doing, Um, your relationship um, uh, to Jesse Ventura's character. You know, everyone's got these phenomenal little relationships and roles to play. And there's so much about all of that is you guys, you guys actually performing and playing off of one another. And then when your you know, seemingly um, indestructible crew starts being picked off, that's when you're like, oh my God, the stakes can elevate higher. And higher. You're like, oh, this is just, if mm-hmm. Matt Mac can die, then anyone can die. You know, if, you know it's that, that's where it's so, it's so sort of beautifully crafted that it's so important to establish that right up front.
1: And I also like the fact that in the end, um, you know, Arnold was still a victim. He yes. wasn't the superhero. But yeah. uh, this predator was smart, stronger, yeah. and everything. He had to come up with ways of survive. It. And that was fascinating. He put the mud on himself, accidentally he put it to a climb, all that stuff. I thought that was brilliant
0: the way that was put together was. <laughs> And you're totally right. He, there's no... He's not a conquering hero at the end of that movie. He's a broken man. He's just lying in the helicopter. These poor people are looking at him like, what the hell happened to this guy? Dude, there's no celebration. It's just like, oh my God, I can't believe I got out of there. Like I did... It was mostly, you know, craft because you're trying to outwit him. But at the same time, it's like that survival at the end, it's like, well, that could have gone either way. You know, that wasn't a certainty either way there but it's much like this in this moment that's a toss of the coin moment right now it's the the whole movie rests on it the whole movie there are certain moments in great films where the whole movie rests on a moment um, yes. and an interaction and I think the the more that you are conflicted about which way you want it to go if you care about the characters the better um, so like you said in this moment it's like and, and in so many moments in great action movies or just great movies that have got heart it's like oh god Please don't do this. Please don't do this. And then you get that great sort of uh, satisfaction, if you like, of it happening.
1: Great writers.
0: Yes. Who are great some writers. of the, Who are some of the great ones you worked with? Because you're. I'm just looking at your resume. Some of the. You know. You're in the limey, uncredited payback, which I think is just such a sardonic, phenomenal thing. You're in action Jackson, American Gigolo, like Schrader. Yeah, there we go. You know. You know. The, the, there's. There's so many of these phenomenal writers that you've surrounded, you You know, you, you've been around in you, your storied career. What are the well, writers Shredder. that really stick out to you so that you've just thought, wow, they can really put that together?
1: The well, Schrader was one of them because before that, um, um, I forgot the name, Richard Pryor, but well, um something really... Um, Richard Pryor uh, and... Um, I forgot who the other actor was, but it was... An incredible film about unions in the car market and all that stuff blue-collar blue-collar that was a great that was a great film. great film too yeah very underrated but that was a great movie um and and um the writing in that was, was tactical. i mean he has the ability to create character not just create scenes but you know you care about the people yes I think it was Jaffa Kodo and Richard Pryor in that scene in the end where they thought they had won the battle and against Rune and everything. Yes. And they were painting the car and somebody locked the door. Yeah. With the spray paint and they choked to death on the paint. Yeah. That, that was, I'd never seen anything like that in a movie. Uh, yeah. Yes. No, but the, the, the genius, the, the, the way of making it happen, the believability of those actors was made you know let me come Marco Mann's a great writer also yes um, I think Shane Black did a great job with Predator and he acted it also he, yes and John McTiernan you know just brilliant he's a director there's a there's a director that really has the ability to tell a story with camera. yes not just shots no he uses the camera as a storyteller,
0: and it's really good. I was, I was struck by I was watching in preparation. I didn't. I, first of all, I didn't need an excuse to watch Predator again, just so you know. i happy to watch it whenever it comes across my television or if I ever want to watch it, but I just love there's that you talk about visual storytelling for yourself and your performance the way the camera moves in your famous moment where it's like long tall Sally she built sweet and you're sort of singing that song descending into madness and the camera just sort of is doing this really amazing glide following you and going past you and then it holds as you go past the camera and there's just a moment where it sort of pauses and I just remember looking at that flurry again I was like wow that's a For, for you as an actor and for him as a storyteller it's like the camera is just observing the car to your point the camera's just observing the carnage that these guys are about to face you know they're so they're they're right they're right in the thick of this and um we're just going to what doesn't matter we're just going to watch them um get torn apart if you like we're going to watch this very objectively watch these guys get taken out one at a
1: time too
0: yes one at
1: a time yep very nice that, that's the that's the drama and horror what,
0: I mean, you just talked about Paul Schrader. One, one, the th- one thing I was just thinking in this moment, you know, Paul Schrader is a guy who, right, you know, 76 is taxi driver and 80 is Raging Bull. And, you know, you've, I'm just having a look. Blue Collar 78, so it's a couple of years after. American Gigolo, which you were in with him, 1980. And he's now, you know, I think he's, he's made a huge resurgence. Lots of people are talking about his movie First Reformed. Um, which is playing at the Melbourne International Film Festival, which your movie, new movie with Nick Cage, Mandy, is closing out the festival this year. Oh,
1: really?
0: Yeah, it's closing out the festival. I, I just looked at that just a moment ago because I've got some friends, because I'm in Sydney, I've got a few friends who are going, and I was like, oh, you're in Mandy and it's closing the festival. So, um, But it's like with some of those writers that you're working with, the Mans and um, the Schraders and things like that, is there like a – is there like a moment that they have the muse, where they just, where the where the muse is just speaking to them? Because I look at Schrader, I think he's got he's kind of getting it back now. What is it about those guys in those peaks of their careers, or those writers, those great filmmakers? Same with John McTiernan, you know, Die Hard, Predator, Hunt for Red October, all of them, bang, bang, bang. They seem to just like, I don't know, capture something in the air, and they just make these amazing films all back to back. It seems like.
1: No. Yeah. What I've discovered it's beyond the intellect. Yes. Something else comes in. Yes. You know, I, I don't know if I can describe it in words, but, <laughs> but once it comes in, it's like you know you ride that wave. You know you ride it. You, tru- you trust it. Yes. Beyond your intelligence, your internet, there's something larger. It's 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 one of the most wonderful experiences you can have because you know you may. Be up all night trying to figure it out, or days or weeks, and when it comes, bam! Yes, you go, you go with it. Yeah, right, and that, that's what the, these guys have. That. they have the ability to just flow the moment, you know, once it comes. I just I watched a documentary on Spielberg. Have you seen it?
0: Yeah, yeah, the, oh. uh, the the recent HBO documentary.
1: Oh man, when he was in doing the Holocaust film
0: Schindler's List yeah
1: and, and his wife had to come and sit with him because he couldn't go on without her because it was so painful yeah you know what I'm saying yes <laughs> I do but he continued he kept going you know yes and and, and, and he talked about things that were so um, made him so vulnerable Many, most, of, most part of his life, he didn't want to be known as Jewish. He was ashamed of his heritage. He he talked about his parentals, his separation of his parents. It was a very warrior experience to a great, great man that you saw behind that his soul. Yes. Powerful, powerful.
0: Yeah, because he's ready. He's uh, And it's sort of you look at it in retrospect and you're like, uh, when you look at that film again, it it, it it sort of reminds you of the impact because it is a guy who's bearing his soul, like a filmmaker who's bearing his soul, who's like coming to terms that he's looking at it in a really, with like this harsh clarity, but it's so emotional. Every frame is just filled with emotion and the performances and some of those tough movies you can't imagine. I mean, look, it's all well and good to pretend to torture people like yourself and uh, Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger in the jungle, but when you're there try, having those people portray those, Incredible moments of you know history, that toil—it must just—I can't I can't imagine what it must be like for an actor or a director or a writer such as yourself or someone Spielberg, just there, like dealing with it, and and the emotional impact that it would have on you.
1: It's unbelievable because it's man to humanity the man that he's showing, and it happened. Yes, it literally happened, and it's hard to believe that it did happen. But it did. Yeah. And he, he just opened his soul to it. And it, I think it was a shock to him how deeply it impacted. Yes. but he got through it.
0: Well, I have to ask you now about Mandy. You've, you've, you're in uh, this latest Nick Cage film called Mandy, which is closing out the film festival, Melbourne International Film Festival. What is Nicolas Cage like to work with? the inimitable Nicolas Cage.
1: Nicolas Cage is one of the most humble, supportive, and professional actors I've ever worked with. He comes to the set as the character. Yes. Leaves the set as the character. And when you're working with him, he looks at you and he says, is there anything else you need them? <laughs> yeah. to help you do what you're doing even better literally I mean it, it was really impressive you know, he was really kind and supportive and professional and I mean he works he works hard Yes. he doesn't just like you know go and have a joyful time he is constantly bringing this spirit to the character every single moment even when they say cut Sits down, sometimes over by himself in some place, and it comes
0: back. Amazing. And it's getting lots of it's getting lots of buzz, Mandy. It's I think it is going to get a release in Australia very soon. Um, oh, oh. It's going to get a, but it's off the back of the film festival, so they'll wait. They're going to wait. You know, they'll they'll show it as the, the big closer for the film festival, and then they'll let let us get a let us get a look at it. I'm really excited to see it. I can't wait. Um, well, look. Bill, I won't keep you too much longer. Um, I I just have to say thank you for coming on to the show to talk, to give your insights. I mean, your storied career, you've directed movies like Hoodlums, you've been in Predator, but I just want to say I have the softest of all softest spots for Sister Act 2 where you directed (laughs) Lauren Hill who, like, as, like, the biggest pop star in the whole world that you became, you know, just before. Um, So incredible um you've got a new film created equal which is coming out very soon which is about a um a young up-and-coming lawyer who's defending um a, a, a female uh, i think it's a nun who wants to become a priest is that right bill yeah so very looking forward to seeing that and your new book is out november this year which is an autobiography called um, bill Duke, my 40 year career on screen and behind the camera so i cannot wait to sort of dive into some of the stories that i've been researching but thank you so much for being part of the show the book now on I'm going to put the link guys if you, if you're listening to this just on whatever podcasting uh, app you go to if you go to oneheatminutecom there'll be an episode um, obviously when we when we release it for Bill Duke and I and in the in the episode I'll make sure I leave a link in there so you can click through straight to Amazon so you can go and get Bill's book I'll be getting it I've pre-ordered it um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it thank you so much for being part of the show Bill
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate. It. And look,
0: before you go, could I just ask you just to say one line from Predator? And it's not a long line. I just need—I need to say it so that it's been said on the show. I just need you to say it anytime. anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, the inimitable, the legendary Bill Duke. This has been One Heat Minute. I've been Blake Howard, your host. Thank you so much for listening. Um, OneHeatMinute.com is where you can find us. Bill, you can find on the Twitter sphere at Bill Duke. Um, but Bill, thank you again. Guys, thanks for listening.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks.